You're listening to Treating Blood Cancers, the LLS podcast series for professionals. We will be joined by cancer experts to discuss blood cancer diagnosis, treatment, side effects management, and the importance of clinical trials. They will share their experience in treating patients and discuss strategies for optimal patient care. Let's get the conversation started. Welcome to Treating Blood Cancers, LLS podcast series for professionals. I'm Dr. Ken Miller. I'm a medical oncologist and also an LLS volunteer. I want to thank all of you for joining us for this very important podcast episode to discuss the role of physicians' assistants and nurses in treating patients during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'll be joined by Kerry Cook, who is a senior physician assistant of malignant hematology at the New York Presbyterian Columbia University Irving Medical Center in New York. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ken. So let's dive right in. I'd love to get a perspective from you in terms of, are you seeing a lot of patients with cancer, also with COVID-19? Because you're right in New York City. So how's the pandemic affected you in, in your practice so far? Yeah, well, you know, we're seeing a lot of patients with COVID-19. And so definitely a proportion of that is our cancer patients. We are doing everything we can to prevent them from getting this illness because we know how devastating it can be in our immunocompromised patients. But given just the scope of the pandemic, we really have been also pitching in to do our part to take care of any patients with the COVID-19. In terms of prevention, what's your center doing for patients that are being treated for hematologic malignancies? We're doing really as much screening as possible, you know, with telemedicine whenever that's possible, screening people in the lobby for any symptoms to try to keep anyone who could be carrying this virus from our oncology patients, and then just really encouraging them to continue to follow the CDC's guidelines, washing your hands, social distancing, wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. A lot of our oncology patients are doing a lot of these things already, and so just really encouraging them to continue with all of that. What's your sense about sort of the anxiety level for patients? How much is it on their mind? Everybody is talking about it all the time. And I think oncology patients know that they're in that high-risk group. And so there is an anxiety level. But I would say in New York City, there's an anxiety level across the board. It's patients, it's healthcare workers. So how are staff members, when people let their hair down, nurses, PAs, the physicians as well, what are you hearing from colleagues? Working on an oncology unit, you know, we are a unit of nurses, PAs, physicians, but we kind of are the same team all the time. We are a pretty cohesive unit. And the thing that has really been the most remarkable throughout this all is we just have come together in a way that I haven't seen before. I'm used to patients going from well to unwell very quickly. And that's what we're seeing with these COVID-19 patients. And so, I do feel like our unit has been very well equipped to take care of these COVID-19 patients with or without cancer diagnoses. But it's been the way that everybody has pitched in. It feels like there's no titles on the unit anymore. And physicians are doing 
bedside nursing when they have to, and PAs are running codes when they have to, and everybody is just stepping up and doing as much as they possibly can for these patients. So I have to say, I hadn't thought about it from the perspective that we in oncology, probably by virtue of of who we are as just people, but also the skill set from working with very sick patients who, again, can whose condition can change, can bring something to treating patients with COVID that's very much needed. Is that, is that a fair c- yeah. conclusion? Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair conclusion. And I think on the other, you know, even taking that a little further, I think as oncologists, we do deal with things like end of life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that has also been something that we've had to deal with, again, on a different scale than we've ever had to deal with. But I right. think having sort of these tools, we've been able to really provide some comfort to the patients that we can't fix and to their families. And so I do, I feel like as an oncology specialist, we really have been sort of the perfect practitioners to take this on. So something that I've seen in my own practice in Baltimore, especially in the outpatient setting, you know, all of a sudden wearing a mask and wearing gloves. And even though we do that, for example, on a leukemia service, but what challenges the added layer of PPEs, but any impact that you perceive in terms of relationships between staff and patients, uh, and patients and patients for that matter, and patients and family? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing it. I think as oncology providers, you know, the PAs, the nurses, we're used to spending a lot of time with our patients, you know, working in acute leukemia. I have the same patients for four weeks. You get to really become like part of the family. And it is a, it's a hard, I have to change my mindset because now I've always felt of me going in there and providing support was really important. And I do that through FaceTime. And now actually the more FaceTime I have with a patient, the more I could be putting them at risk. And so actually having to change your mindset of, I need to do what I need to do for patients without putting them at any increased risk is, you know, a little bit of a a hard change to my mentality. I had a patient, unfortunately, pass away this week. And, you know, the family wanted last rites to be done for her. And Mm -hmm. so I had our pastoral care team call my phone and I put it on speaker for the patient. And I always, in the past, I've always found it such a privilege to be able to spend this time with patients at the end and being able to do this for them. And for the first time, I think in my career, you know, we hit the seven minute mark. I started to think, am I putting myself in danger now? And that's definitely a thought that has never crossed my mind. And so I think as providers, we're sort of weighing all of this as how do we take care of ourselves, our coworkers, our patients? And, you know, it's not as easy of an answer as it used to be. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I'm wondering this now, you know, essentially every day I go into work, how much risk is it for me, for, you know, for my patients mm-hmm. and, and for me as well. And for my own wife, who's, who's had leukemia 20 years ago, but my children and grandchildren. Let me ask you a difficult question that I would have a hard time answering. How are you uh, thinking through the whole process in terms of making a decision that I'm going to work today? I'm going to, I'm continuing my work. Well, I think one decision that, you know, my wife and I made three weeks ago was for her and my six month old son to go to Connecticut. And I think with that decision, 
it made it a lot easier for me to go to work because now, mm-hmm. you know, it's just me and my dog in my home and, right. you know, I'm just going straight from here to the hospital without right. that concern of could I be causing some harm to my family. And mm-hmm. I think when that decision was made, it became a lot easier to go to work. And now, you know, I feel a real sense of pride being there. You know, we in New York City, every day at 7 p.m., there are people outside playing their trumpets, banging on pots and pans. And it just, uh it feels like a really proud moment to be a healthcare worker right now. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, thank thank you so much for sharing that. I'm actually living in a separate house myself from my family for the same reasons. But I have to say, what a beautiful thing to see New Yorkers come together like that every every day. Yeah. And all of you, all of us deserve the recognition. So I'm I'm happy that it's there. Are you allowing visitors and who's allowed and and even more so, how does this affect the patient support system? Yeah, I think this is to me one of the hardest things. The patients are getting really sick really fast from this once they're in the hospital from this virus. And so we are not allowing visitors at this point, mm-hmm. except for some, you know, very special circumstances, things like end of life. So we're trying to be creative and we, you know, all the units have iPads and all the mm-hmm. providers, nurses have hospital iPhones. And so we're FaceTiming mm-hmm. patients with their mm-hmm. families as much as possible. We're trying to get you know, information from families about what shows people like, what music Mm -hmm. they like, things that we Mm -hmm. could do to make our care personalized for Mm -hmm. the patients. But yeah, I mean, that's the the feedback I'm getting from families is just, it's so hard not to be by their side holding their hand right now. And that's, you know, definitely something that I'm hearing across the board. No, absolutely. And I'm thinking about, because I have been a family member in that situation, but I think about, you know, a lot of the support that I got or we got as a as a family when my wife was sick was from the nurses. Yeah. I'm sure that everyone is missing it, both the families yeah. and the nursing staff, too. What did your hospital do in terms of training nurses and other staff in regards to taking care of patients with COVID or, and especially patients with cancer with COVID-19? In our hospital, we've had daily briefings from our leadership. Every day at 10 a.m., they give us the latest, what we should be wearing, what we should be thinking about, what our visitor guidelines are going to be, trying to keep us really informed on all the latest that is coming towards us. And I think that's been really helpful because we're getting constant messaging of, you know, how best to treat these patients. In oncology, again, we haven't really had much extra training, but I think the training that we do have, our nurses are step-down trained. Our PAs are used to step-down level patients or our attendings. And so I think, you know, we didn't really need much extra training, more just what to look for. I wanted to ask also in terms of nurses, PAs, are you using telemedicine and, and how are you using it? So we are using telemedicine. We, you know, definitely right from the start, you know, I was part of a hotline giving information to the public on COVID-19 and we got our virtual urgent care up and running as soon as possible. So people could use telemedicine to just go through their symptoms with a provider. Our outpatient oncologist 
are really anybody that doesn't have to come in, they will do their best to get them telemedicine visits. And so they've been really committed to making sure that these patients are still being closely monitored, even if they can't physically come in. And I actually just had a family friend who I got an appointment with one of our oncologists and he said it was an hour phone call and it was the best doctor's appointment he's ever had. <laughs> I think it it can really work if, mm. you know, everyone's committed to making it work and it's in the best interest of everybody to stay sure, out of the hospital sure. right now. Yeah. And uh, I'll share my own observation on that, too. I have found uh, televisits actually can be, you know, very, uh, I mean, very satisfying. And I, I was surprised, but I feel like I've done a good job. And I feel like the patients, people, patients that I've spoken with, um, there's been, been a lovely connection. So it's possible. It's help, It's causing all of us to break out of our, uh, of our molds, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask about support services, you know, chaplains that you mentioned, this patient who died. Are there social workers, the chaplains, the other supportive care staff seeing patients? Or are they doing televisits within patients? How are you doing that? Yeah, and the, it's different across different disciplines. Our social workers that are on the units are still coming in and are still you know, doing what they can on the ground. You know, some of our consult services, like our palliative care social workers, they really have been remote, but still managing to stay very involved. Pastoral care is mostly remote, but they are calling families. They are taking on whatever they can to help the primary. And then we have people like our music therapists who are coming into our units Supervise therapy to the staff and to the patient. Mm. We're trying to be clever using things like iPads, and our music therapist um, is going to start doing iPad therapy sessions, teletherapy sessions with the patients as needed. And so we've had to become creative to get all these supportive services to the patient, but they definitely have been doing their part to help. And then they've all been doing their part to support the frontline staff. So that's been really, it's just across the board, people have been doing what they can to support the frontline staff. And it's people are delivering meals to us. People are sending us, you know, sending us masks and goggles and, you know, whatever people can spare, they really are sending it to our frontlines. In terms of patients' treatment, now, in, in your setting on a leukemia service, is anything different that you've noticed? Any treatments being delayed or any treatments being modified because of the pandemic? In acute leukemia, I think it is really hard because there's an urgency there. But I think anything that isn't quite as urgent and can be delayed will be. We're doing things like, you know, trying swabbing our patients before they come in for treatment so that we can have a better sense of what's going on. With leukemia, there isn't always the ability to put things off, but in the, uh, especially in the inpatient setting. In some ways, us in the hospital, we've been saying, you know, we are some of the only people that have social connections. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of social isolation going on right now, and that's not happening with the hospital workers. And it's making us so much more appreciative of our colleagues because there's a lot of people who are isolated in their apartments alone. And we feel really lucky to be able to spend time with people on our units because we're not alone at a time when most people are. 
the camaraderie is good on so many different levels. Yeah, definitely. Wonderful. Carrie, let me ask you about self-care. That's a term that's used a lot, but but in, in this setting of a pandemic and, and really a crisis that none of us have experienced this way before, what does self-care mean? And what do you advise for yourself, for your friends, your colleagues in terms of how to get through this well? Yeah. I mean, I I think one of the things that the oncology PAs that I'm working with, we've really leaned on each other. You know, we have a WhatsApp group and we kind of talk about our challenges of the day and how we handled them and what we're feeling. And again, I think as oncology providers, you know, isn't something that is foreign to us. And so, you know, I think between the PAs, the nurses, the attendings, everybody else on the units, we really sort of leaned on each other to get through this. There's been so many opportunities of people doing things for healthcare workers, like Starbucks is giving free coffee and the Four Seasons in New York City is giving free housing. And so kind of sharing that amongst all the oncology PAs. And I would say we even have been bonding with our medicine colleagues and our transplant colleagues because, you know, as this has escalated, we've kind of lost our titles and we're not as much oncology PAs anymore as we're all just PAs on the front lines doing our best to fight this. I have to say that the level of support is phenomenal. I One of the things that I think is so enjoyable about oncology is the connection between all of us, doctors, nurses, PAs, sort of the seamless teamwork. But I think what you've shared is that it's even more special now. Yeah. People are doing what they can to minimize the risk of other people going into the room. If there's something I can do, you know, if it is emptying a Foley for a nurse so that a nurse doesn't have to gown up and come in, I'm going to do that for them. And they're going to do whatever they can to minimize us having to go in. And so we've really had to work so seamlessly together because at the end of the day, we want to do what's best for the patient, but we're also doing our best to protect each other. And I think having that trust has really helped us do our best. When you're away from work, and let let me ask you sort of your thoughts about your colleagues as well. I think we do tend to take home some of our work with us. In this time, is that more so? Are you taking more of the stress of the day home with you? Outside of work, do you find that staff are supporting each other more? Or is everyone sort of so exhausted when they go home that they're happy to have a quiet time? Talking to the PAs and the nurses, it's definitely people feel like they kind of need that distance from the hospital and kind of trying their best to separate from everything that happened. But I also have been told it's harder to be home. You know, people want to be in the hospital doing their part, doing what they can for these patients. And it's hard to sit at home knowing that your colleagues are doing something. And so I have to tell PAs, take a day off because they just want to all hands on deck and do whatever they can. So we are encouraging people to do whatever self-care is to them. The PAs have shared amongst themselves things like mindfulness apps and meditation and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff that's out there that are now being offered for free for healthcare professionals. And so taking advantage of sort of whatever helps you to separate from the hospital. But it is definitely something that's hard. I know myself, I just want to be there doing my part and also 
protecting my team and you know whatever I can do to make sure that we're doing the best job we could. Thank you for listening to this episode of uh, Treating Blood Cancers, an LLS podcast series for professionals. This was a wonderful opportunity today to talk about cancer care during the COVID-19 pandemic. We were joined by Kerry Cook, who's a senior physician assistant at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University at the Irving Medical Center in New York. Kerry, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. For a listing of all of our healthcare professional podcasts, continuing education activities, and healthcare professional resources, please visit www www.lls.org forward slash CE. I also want to thank you for joining us for this important conversation. We also want to encourage you to listen to our next podcast, which will be part two about the COVID pandemic and cancer care with our colleague, Dr. Hall at Memorial Sloan Kettering. Thanks for listening to Treating Blood Cancers, the LLS podcast series for professionals. We can be found on iTunes and other podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.treatingbloodcancers.org and provide your suggestions for future topics. Visit our archive section on our website for other great podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and on Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And access our professional continuing education activities by visiting lls.org CE. Let's keep the conversation going. Until next time.